The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have with me a guest that I have been looking forward to for a very, very long time. I am thrilled to be able to tell you that today we have with us Dr. Suzanne Colson. Dr. Colson, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be with you today. Well, this is so exciting because Dr. Suzanne Colson is a midwife. She is also a researcher, and she published in 2008 an article that at the time I predicted would last for 20 years. And we are now short of a decade, but nonetheless, this really important research has come to the forefront of anyone who's interested in breastfeeding. And I just can't say how excited I am to really be talking to Suzanne, not quite in person, but at least on the air is the next best thing. So we're very, very happy to have her here because as you know, I really try hard, and I think I've spent my whole lifetime now trying to bust the myths and clarify the facts, and she's going to tell us some of these myths, half-truths, and why they are what they are, and to help us to understand how to do what she's going to talk to us about today, which is biological nurturing. Now, Dr. Colson is the author of this book, It is called An Introduction to Biological Nurturing, New Angles on Breastfeeding. I first, of course, read it in English, but it has been translated into several different languages. We'll talk to you a little bit later about the book. But I want to make sure that you understand that this is, as far as I'm concerned, such a big problem solver. If you've ever had a situation where you couldn't get a sleepy baby to eat, or you had a reluctant breastfeeder, or you had sore nipples, or just about any other problem that you might have faced, I think you will see that Dr. Colson is going to give you some real practical insights, as well as back up why this is such an important concept, as it is shown in her very excellent research. So, Dr. Colson, in your book, you make the distinction between nurture and nature. So, could you help us to understand what that distinction is, please? Yes, and I, I actually think it's quite a good place to start 
because this nature-nurture dichotomy or split, if you want, has to do with how people de develop behavior or the capacity to do things mm. with the nature part representing what we call innate capability. Now, the problem here is that lots of people are talking about innate breastfeeding behaviors, but few say exactly what that means. <laughs> right. So if you look up innate in the dictionary, you'll see that it refers to our genetic inheritance or those spontaneous actions supporting our inborn capacity to do life-sustaining things. So things like breathing, eating, excretion, including sweating, for example, and we'll come back to sweating in a moment because I think it can illustrate this. Importantly, when a behavior is innate, it's not intentional. Mm. You, can't, you can't set out to be innate. Okay. Can you teach somebody to be innate? So do you no. see that you can't teach somebody to sweat? <laughs> no, you cannot. Right. So sweating is an innate response. It's a compulsive expression responding to an environmental releaser. And in that way, an innate behavior is one that reflects our human biological blueprint, if you want. Yes. Now, nurture, on the other hand, means nourish or develop or to raise or bring up, discipline, educate, all of these words. And in contrast, nurturing is always learned behavior, either through observation and mimicry or imitation or teaching and instruction. Now, nurture is truly a beautiful word, which yes. means how mothers and parents and families show their love for their baby. Yes. So there are many, many ways to nurture. Okay. For example, providing and protecting your baby or buying things, a bassinet or clothes or a stroller to take your baby for a walk. All of that is nurture. If you open a bank account for your baby when the baby's born, that's nurture. Nurturing. <laughs> yeah. And those people defending the nurture perspective consider that people are born as blank slates and uh, the environment then writes all the behavioral information on that slate. Now, Desmond Morris talked about this. Desmond Morris is a very famous zoologist, and he once wrote that the only human behavior that is innate is the ability to learn from the environment. Ooh. So you can see that that's controversial. There's been a lot of heated discussion about how we develop the capacity to do things down through the years. But today, most people recognize that both nature and nurture, and nurture. have yeah. a contribution to make in how humans develop their capacity to do these life-sustaining things, activities of daily living, if you want. Now, in relation to breastfeeding, what biological nurturing does is first recognize that mothers do have an innate capacity, an inborn capacity, to initiate breastfeeding without formal instruction. Agreed. And secondly, biological nurturing restores a balance between these two ways of thinking in relation to breastfeeding. Because for too many years now, the nurture or skills teaching techniques 
uh, have been the only way that we've supported mothers to get started with breastfeeding. So that's been our dominant approach, minimizing the important part that the mother plays in breastfeeding. You know, so often we say that that babies breastfeed and all mothers need to do is just lie still and let the baby do it. So if you're a mom listening to this program, the biological nurturing perspective suggests that you are actually amazing and <laughs> more about your baby than anyone else, even though culturally it doesn't always feel that way. Right, right. Well, that is very enlightening because I'm, well, actually, I guess I'm thinking back to my own mother who told, told me that she didn't understand why I had to teach mothers to breastfeed. She said, don't all mothers know how to breastfeed? Nobody ever taught me how to breastfeed. Right. And so it seems that what you're saying is that we do teach mothers to breastfeed because somehow we as professionals have felt that we need to do that. But you're saying that mothers do have an innate and inborn ability to do this spontaneous thing to take care of their babies. That's right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But that that occurs under certain environmental conditions. Conditions, okay. Okay, and what would those, are, are we gonna talk later about the environmental conditions? Um, well, I, I'm i sure that, that we can. Um, I think that maybe one of the things that we need to uh, emphasize at this point is that so often we say that babies, you know, are born breastfeeders, that they have these inborn reflexes that enable them to find the breast, latch on and feed. Yep. But we just assume that mothers lack these innate breastfeeding behaviors and that mothers need to be formally uh, and routinely taught how to do it. That would be like telling the mother, uh, teaching the mother how to sweat. Well, which... yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what, what I'm saying is that um, there is a kind of some truth in this idea that babies are hardwired to breastfeed, but so are mothers. And in fact, I think that that mothers have a much more innate knowledge than their babies do. Yes, <laughs> and I'm yes. convinced and even have compelling video data illustrating how both mothers and babies have innate responses. So our role as professionals and breastfeeding supporters needs to be looking for the releasers of innate responses because uh, an innate response always has a releaser. Okay. So before the biological nurturing research was published in that article you were talking about and published in 2008, it was recognized that babies have these three primitive neonatal reflexes called rooting, sucking, and swallowing. I think everybody knows about that. Sure, sure. That was and, not news. Um, I actually reconfigured 17 other primitive neonatal reflexes in the feeding context identifying how biological nurturing released or triggered those baby behaviors. But at the same time, I actually discovered that under certain environmental conditions, mothers also have these spontaneous things that they just do that you can't teach, but that help their babies or help them breastfeed. Uh, Suzanne, so can you give us some examples of those things that mothers do innately? Well, yeah. So first of all, 
um, in my research, it appeared that just gazing at the baby and establishing eye-to-eye oh. -eye contact uh -huh. to spark these innate responses, these these spontaneous mother things. Yes. So, uh, for example, mothers looked at their babies and then uh, they started placing them up their bodies to help them find the breast. They didn't make the baby do the entire job. They helped. I agree. They also would show their babies how to latch by opening their own mouths. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That kind of sparked um, a reciprocity, if you want. And then when you gave mothers a lot of space to learn how to do this through the discovery and the hit and miss of the experience, uh, that required a lot of repetition, but at the same time, it um, conditioned all the, the baby reflexes, and um, the, the mother was able to kind of uh, take a cue from her baby, and then the baby would respond to what she did, and vice versa. Yes, so yes. Certainly, um, these things that you do, you can't teach them, uh, but you can observe and describe them. And certainly what works for you often changes during a breastfeed or from feed to feed, and certainly from one baby to another baby in the same family. So the idea is to spend a lot of time with the baby. <laughs> yes, to be able to do those things that in fact are innate. Uh, we, this is really just very fascinating, and we've spent a lot of time talking about the mother. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about those reflexes in the baby that Suzanne has alluded to, and we're also going to talk more about the, uh, the six components of biological nurturing. Don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with my guest today, Dr. Suzanne Colson. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I have with me today my guest, Dr. Suzanne Colson, who is the author of An Introduction to Biological Nurturing. Suzanne, before we went to break, we were talking about the fact that there's a difference between the nature and the nurture, and you gave us some excellent examples of both, and you specifically talked about the mother. I want to move a little bit more towards the baby, and then we'll come back to the mother, but you started to talk about those reflexes that the baby has. Now, we all, I think all of us know that we've got rooting, sucking, swallowing, we know babies, and and when we say babies, in this case, we're talking specifically about newborns, that is in the first uh, month of life. And some of what Dr. Colson is talking to us about is not so much applicable, applicable to older infants, but definitely we're really focusing in on the newborn here during that first month or so. So talk to us about these other reflexes and what exactly they have to do with breastfeeding. If a baby can root, suck, and swallow, isn't he all set to go? Well, uh, not always, but uh, it could be it could be said that some babies are all set to go with just rooting, sucking, and swallowing. And in fact, some babies don't even root; they just latch onto the breast immediately. That's true. But m- many many babies uh, spend a lot of breast time just kind of looking for it. You know, babies they when they're very close to the breast as they are, they don't really see the breast. They kind of bump into it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they do. (laughs) Very, very sweet. Um, And so they need a lot of breast time just to find out where the breast is, where the nipple is, how to latch onto it, and how to extract the milk. So that's that discovery thing you were talking to us about. Well, that's what you do through the hit and miss of the experience. And the baby will really do that. And like one of the reflexes is head bobbing. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. And that's a really interesting uh, reflex because the baby in biological nurturing positions actually uh, has almost a full facial bob as it kind of goes up and down on on the, the mother's breast. You know, uh, interestingly, uh, we are probably one of the only mammals that has fat around the nipple or the teeth. Oh, oh, okay. And babies also have fat pads. So what you want to do and what seems to be um, clear across uh, all those species that feed on their tummies, and I believe that we are one of those uh, uh, mammals that is a tummy feeder at birth. And what we have in common is that um, we, we kind of head bounce on to the, the, the teat. Now, if you're having a latching problem, what you want to do is get your fat against the baby's fat. The okay. baby's pads and the, the, the cheeks against uh, the mother's breast. And, and then um, babies kind of feel the, they learn a lot by feel. Mm. And they, uh, the more they bounce, they trigger at least four facial reflexes. And there's also uh, a small diamond of lip reflexes. And then there's a larger diamond, including uh, a chin reflex called the, the masseter or the chin jerk. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, because of the masseter muscle. Okay. That's right. And then there's uh, another reflex between the baby's eyes that if you tap it, 
right between the baby's eyes called the glabella, the baby will blink. So if you're actually, you know, just head bobbing, will release all four of those uh, reflexes together with uh, um, the cheek-to-cheek, left and right uh, exaggerated route that everybody is familiar with. Yes. So all of a sudden you're, you're triggering kind of eight reflexes at the same time, the glabella, the chin, and then the two uh, either cheek-to-cheek side of the, uh, the rooting reflex, and then the same thing on the baby's lips. Those are called the cardinal reflexes. Cardinal re- eight, eight cardinal reflexes. Four uh, Suzanne- reflexes and, and four uh, larger facial reflexes, including the glabella and the, um, the masseter or the ginger. Oh, this is really exciting because when it makes so much that, sense. Yeah. When you're doing that, you're triggering all of that at the same time. And then oftentimes, oftentimes um, the latch is not asymmetrical. <laughs> Suzanne, I want to just uh, sort of help everybody to visualize this. One of the great frustrations of doing radio is that people don't have uh, a visual. I mean, if, if you and I were standing in a classroom right now, I'm sure we would have had several uh, f- photos to show this. But I want to alert people. I'm quite sure that Dr. Leonard regards uh, uh, video from 1991. It's called um, uh, Baby Self-Attachment. Baby yeah. Self-Attachment. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Uh, I know that it's on YouTube, and it's very short. It's only six minutes long. But if you go to that, you will see what Dr. Colson is talking about here when she talks about this head bobbing, because the baby does. He truly has his head bobbing and bobbing and bobbing up and down and up and down. But also, he goes side to side, and it's quite a dramatic uh Right, and you see that, in fact, uh, certainly the viewing of that video is what really got me started Ah. in trying to understand. So that baby is an abdominal feeder. You see, the baby is feeding on his tummy. Right. And that is very, very important. It's the pressure on the tummy, on the baby's tummy, that helps to release many of these reflexes in those mammals that feed abdominally. Well, and, uh, and, and so don't most mammals feed belly to belly? No, not at all. Oh. Well, if you think of the hoofed mammals, you know, oh, like cows right. or horses or sheep. Right, right, right. right. Um, well, they stand up immediately. And That's in fact, right. there's no skin to skin contact with those with those mammals. There's just a mouth to teat contact. So... I, I want to give people a little bit of context here because I'm I'm following this well, but I'm not sure. I promised everybody that we'd talk about the six components, and then I didn't say what those are. So, Dr. Well, maybe Colson, we should do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's let me run down the six, and then if you could take a go at uh, at least some of them. We, we've got some time here before the break, but she's talked to us a little bit about postures, and that is when she 
says posture, she means the maternal aspect. And then the second one is baby positions. So she uses the word positions when she's talking about the, the baby. The baby's state, and that could be a state of hunger or a state of sleep-wake or whatever. She talks about the maternal hormonal state, and I'll let her explain that one to you. She's already talked to us about those primitive neonatal reflexes. She said that we're all familiar with the three. It's the other 17 that she has spent so much time looking at. And then she talked to us in the first segment about the innate maternal behaviors. So Dr. Colson, pick it up wherever you wish there. Uh, I'm thinking you started to go towards pastures, I think. And I guess that's important because most people call biological nurturing laid back breastfeeding, and I coined that that expression. Um, but that being laid back or having a, a a maternal body slope instead of sitting upright is only one component. Um, it was certainly central to my understanding of how biological nurturing works. But um, the term is a collective term for everything that you mentioned, the positions, the states, and the behaviors. But what's important is that within each one of those categories, positions, states, and behaviors, you have a mother part and a baby part. Because remember, with biological nurturing, it's reciprocity, as we've discussed previously. That bit is the important bit. And so if we talk about positions, you know, mothers, uh, usually I just tell mothers to lean, to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that's leaning back, sometimes only slightly. But you can't really teach a mother how to be comfortable. That's something that she... (laughs) Right. Do you see? So I just say, you know, maybe she wants to have every bit of her body supported. So I might be placing pillows here and there. But finally, she can she can decide if she's comfortable. It oftentimes is a position you use to watch television where you're neither sitting bolt upright because that would be tiresome, nor would you lie flat on your back or on your sides to watch television, would you? And the main reason you wouldn't do that is because if you were to lie flat on your back, you wouldn't see the television. Right, right. right? You have to lift your head uncomfortably to, to see it. So as soon as you get comfortable, you place your baby on top of your body, tummy to mummy. And obviously you want your baby's head to be somewhere near the breast. And you also want to be able to gaze into your baby's eyes because Mm -hmm. maybe gazing into the baby's eyes is a a strong releaser of your innate ways of responding. You want the baby's body to lie Uh, with uh, his or her feet, tops, or soles in contact with one of your thighs or between your legs. Uh, Alternatively, some mothers do place their babies across their body, but that's that's not as common as a kind of an up and down or a longitudinal way to hold the baby. See, I'm getting nervous about this because I, I'm i ashamed to tell you that I've spent almost four decades telling people, no, sit up straight, sit up straight, but nice, good posture, bring the baby to the breast. And the other thing that I've noticed is that a lot of times you end up with sort of the, the baby nowhere, like they're either tucked under the mother's chin or they've they've 
fallen way out of eye contact in some way. And it just, it doesn't make any sense to me. So this well, seems to be- you're lots and lots of things here, you see, because uh-huh. generally if the baby's tucked under the chin, it means that somebody's put the baby there. That's true. Because mothers are, are health professionals and lactation consultants are told to place the baby on the mother's body. But in biological nurturing, it's the mother who's active. She takes the lead and she places the baby where she thinks, thinks the baby should be. Belongs. Oh, hold that thought because when we come back from break, we're going to talk a lot more about all of these six components of biological nurturing. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Dr. Suzanne Colson. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. Before we went to break, Dr. Colson and I were talking about those six components of biological nurturing. So we talked a bit about posture, mother's postures, baby's positions. We talked about the newborn's reflexes. And in the first segment, we talked about the mother's uh, breastfeeding behaviors. So here's what, what I'm curious about. We've got another two to cover. I cannot tell you how many hundreds, probably thousands of times that I've told probably thousands of mothers as well as people that I have been training for uh, becoming a lactation consultant, I have said a million times, a sleepy baby will not eat and a hungry baby will not sleep. I'm thinking that your research disproves that admonition because of what you've learned about uh, newborn states. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yes, yes, I'm happy to do that. In fact, I even quoted you in my thesis. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it's interesting. We've always thought that yeah. um, a sleeping baby won't feed. And generally, to- generally speaking, mothers are told uh, to respond to their baby's feeding cues in awake states. Uh, I spend but, a lot of time teaching that stuff, yeah. Yeah, and um, in biological nurturing, mothers often take the lead. And uh, one of the main reasons is because it's all about unleashing this reciprocity of innate behaviors. Love that. And so. Uh, you can easily practice biological nurturing while the baby's asleep. All you have to do is pick the baby up and, and without waking him, hold him in a comfortable biological nurturing uh, position. And if you're not comfortable, then while the baby's asleep, that gives you the opportunity to make yourself more comfortable. Remember, when you're in a biological nurturing position, you usually have at least one hand free, but oftentimes you've got both hands hands free. free. Yes. And so you can make yourself comfortable in any way uh, that's, that's easy for you. Um, now, some people say, well, why would anybody hold a sleeping baby to the breast? And that answer is just so easy. <laughs> it's simply because they latch on and feed when you do. And that's because babies go from one state to another very quickly. Very quickly. They do. They do. That's true. Well, well, they have sort of sleep cycles in the first place. Yes, they do. But they're much shorter than our adult or even uh, child sleep cycles. And so babies progress from one uh, sleep state to the next very quickly. And I define three uh, sleep states. Uh, deep sleep, light sleep, which is that beautiful REM, uh, rapid eye movement yeah. sleep, mm-hmm. and drowsy. Now, yes, most, that's how I do it. Yep. Most people will want uh, the baby who is drowsy to kind of wake up because they're so cute and sweet and it's fun to interact with them. But what I'm suggesting is that uh, oftentimes the baby will go back to sleep, but they'll latch on in a drowsy or light sleep state. They and I, again, I have compelling video data. Video, I'm, I'm sure you do. Babies <laughs> doing this. You can see this in my DVD, in fact, where I talk a lot about this. So that any time you have breastfeeding problems, what happens is that in the sleep states, you diminish or reduce the strength of the reflex responses. So if a baby is madly rooting at the breast because he's absolutely famished. Famished, yeah. If you pick that baby up before the hunger manifests itself to a a tremendous degree like that, then you've got a lot of time within which you can sort the latching out. If if you're experiencing pain, you can work on the baby's lips and, and move them. Uh, because their their lips aren't tight uh, around the, the the your your nipple, and you can move them up and down, and and open the baby's mouth a little bit while the baby's kind of latched onto the breast, but not not necessarily sucking yet. Um, so anytime you have engorgement, pain, latching problems, latch refusal, it's worthwhile holding the baby. Um, but importantly, it's just worthwhile holding the baby and having the baby in the right place during the early weeks. Yes, and yes. I'm kind of maintaining continuity uh, with your body able 
to nurture and nourish your baby. You know, no one, no one worries about giving their babies enough food during pregnancy and babies grow and develop beautifully well for the most part. Uh, but n no mother kind of worries that she's not going to be sending enough glucose. Uh, <laughs> uh, That's uh, so true. You know, it's, it is right, true. Right. right? So, that makes um, a lot of sense. When you want the mammary gland to take over from the placenta at, uh, at birth, the best way to ensure that that happens is to keep the baby on your body. And that can be in as much skin-to-skin -skin contact as desired because what's important is the ventral pressure and, in fact, all of the pressure down the front of the baby's body. That's what's important, not the fact that you're naked. So, so Suzanne, how about this? I, it seems to me that all of those traditional positions that I've taught to mothers, the football hold, the cradle hold, the cross cradle and so forth, it seems to me like in those positions, the mother always is supporting the baby's back. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. And so you're suggesting that this this frontal position, there is no the mother is not supporting the baby's back because the baby has is in a frontal position. Yeah, that's right. If you're okay. feeding abdominally uh, on your tummy, then uh, you don't need that support on the back. The reason we need that support is because we've told mothers to sit upright. The right. more upright we are, the more we struggle against gravity. Oh, Suzanne, now you just gave me a wonderful in because I, I want to make sure that we get through all of these six. But as you're talking about this position and posture thing and the gravity, uh, I want to ask you about sore nipples because typically women who are doing this biological nurturing do not have sore nipples. And would you explain that because because of the, the gravity? Well, one explanation can be because of gravity, because gravity will tend to drag the baby down towards your lap, towards the pillow if right. you're sitting upright. Right. Uh -huh. And uh, as soon as you uh, start to semi-recline, even if your back is just supported slightly by the chair or the sofa or the bed, the wall behind the bed, um, you'll be opening your your body to the baby and then using these reflexes, the baby moves around the breast. So you end up having 360 breastfeeding positions, positions not yes. the traditional three. Now, you really don't have three, uh, 360 positions, but I just theoretically 60 degrees in a circle. But theoretically you do, yeah. yeah. Right, so theoretically you do. Now, you're always going to find one position, and this is what I tell mothers who are experiencing sore nipples, you'll find one position that uh, where it doesn't hurt. So the idea is just to even move the baby one degree, <laughs> if we're talking about those 360 degrees in a circle. Because and that might make the difference. That might make the difference. And yeah. always, if you've got sore nipples, one thing that you really may want to be thinking about is holding your baby in biological nurturing positions. And again, you find out which of those positions work for you through the hit and miss of the experience. So you have to do that a lot. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And when you do that when the baby's asleep, then the baby will latch on. If that hurts, 
then you can go in with your fingers. The baby's latched on, but maybe only just sucking a little bit, and you can open the baby's mouth. Babies' mouths, when they're in sleep states, are very flexible. They become rigid when they're hungry. And by the way, for those of you who are listening, Suzanne and I are not making this up about this sleep state thing. Most of it came out of the work of Dr. Barry Brazelton, I want to say like in 1973 or something. It was ages ago. Uh, So I don't want you to think we're just making this up out of whole cloth. There's good research to support uh, the sleep state thing. Uh, I want to talk to you before, because we're starting to run out of time here, this, uh, the hormonal state of the mother and a Along with that, I want to ask you, you specifically said that being skin to skin with the baby is not part of those six components. How do you relate that to the maternal hormonal state? Uh, right. Well, there's just so much to say. It's hard to <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you know, breastfeeding, as does birth, works on high oxytocin levels or oxytocin pulsatility. Right. Um, that's one of the main breastfeeding hormones. And, you know, lots of people have said that oxytocin is a shy hormone mm. uh, and that we can discourage it. You know, but oxytocin has all these behavioral as well as um, mechanical effects. So it is the hormone that kind of is responsible for strong contractions and also for milk release yes. and milk ejection. But it's also responsible for these innate behaviors that we have and that mothers in particular have. Now, uh, it's very easy to suppress oxytocin. And one way that you can do that is by scaring mothers. Mm -hmm. If you say to them, your nipples are so flat, you'll never be able to breastfeed. It's likely that you're sending oxytocin down into her boots. Right? Right. (laughs) So uh, another way to do that is if she's cold. Another way to do that is to teach her. Anytime we teach people, we appeal to um, the neocortical um, thinking. And anytime you think, you can't be spontaneous. If you're thinking about doing something and I'm telling you how to do it, you won't then uh, be able to spontaneously or innately uh, release behaviors that that will get will get you there and uh, and accomplish the task at hand. So scolding the the mother, scaring the mother, or making the mother be cold. None or of that's going to inane conversation. Uh, you know, uh, when you're helping her, sometimes you just talk about have you seen this latest film, and so all of a sudden you're focusing her attention on a response that she needs to give you. And so she's no longer with her baby in the same way. Instead, we want to focus her attention on her baby. You know, we are visual primate primates where our sense of, of uh, sight is our most important. And so just looking at the baby, and we know that this is true from research, just looking at the baby increases oxytocin uh, levels, which is why we suggest that mothers who are separated from their babies should look at a photo when they're expressing their milk, because that's going to help. So, And that certainly supports the um, eye-to-eye contact. Everyone, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here with Dr. Suzanne Colson. We will be right back after this short break.
A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with authors and researcher Dr. Suzanne Colson. Dr. Coulson, you've talked about these six biological, the components of biological nurturing. You've really helped us to pull together this whole idea of nature versus nurture and how teaching the mother has become dominant. And that's probably not a good thing. We really need to go back to that whole balance. I'm good with that. But I do want to know, uh As I understand it, you wrote your book and did your research because you were inspired by the work of Dr. Michel Odant, as well as Dr. Leonard Regard. We mentioned him earlier today. Uh, So help us to understand all of these babies that have had difficulty latching or they're reluctant to latch or they are, quote, not interested, unquote, or the mother says he doesn't want me or he doesn't like me or he's not hungry or he's not interested. Uh, we know that biological nurturing does not support the idea that that a baby just isn't interested. There's just no such a thing as a baby who wouldn't want to be at the breast. So what happens when you get the mother out of these very traditional positions, and I don't even know if tradition is the right word, what happens when you take them out of those positions and you introduce them to biological nurturing? Can you give us an example? Well, yes, I can. And I just... I just want to pick up a little bit where we left off. Okay. It leads right into my example. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. You know, I think we left off by saying that uh, when we teach mothers these skills, we actually can suppress her spontaneous or compulsive 
uh, innate uh, reactions and then that beautiful reciprocity between mother and babies. Uh, and so lots of mothers will think that they, that they don't have these behaviors because they're not used to um, just being with the baby. They're yes. used to having health professionals or lactation consultants teach them. Teach them, yep. And yep. so many mothers will say, well, I actually don't feel, it doesn't, breastfeeding doesn't feel natural. I don't think I can do it innately. I'm, I think I'm missing that breastfeeding gene <laughs> that you were talking about in the breastfeeding blueprint. <laughs> yes. Um, but the good news here is that it's not hard to get that back. Okay. And having the baby at the right distance in the right place that is on your body usually does it in as much skin-to-skin -skin contact as you want. Now, I want to give you an example of this. So I had a mother call me, and she was miles away from me, and she had a six-week-old baby. So the baby was no longer a neonate. Okay. But this baby had never, ever latched, and she'd been expressing her milk. And she was explaining all this to me, and she said that I was her last resource, and oh she was going to give breastfeeding up. Oh, dear. Um, I knew I couldn't go visit her because it, like, was three or 400 miles away. So I just said to her, look, I said, I don't really know what to say. I don't, you know, I can't see you or make any kind of an assessment. But I just have a feeling that what might work is if you take your baby and uh, you go and uh, you turn on the television and watch a favorite program or look at a DVD, but sit on, on your sofa or a place where you're really comfortable and lie your baby on your body and then uh, watch television. And so uh, she listened to me and she started to get very angry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've called you because I need advice. I want you to tell me what to do. And what you said is for me to go and watch television. And that's just ridiculous. <laughs> she wants and, you to and, fix you know, it. <laughs> I, said, I want you to take your baby and then uh, put your baby on your body and just make sure that the baby's head is somewhere near your breast. And you don't have to be skin to skin, but make sure that the baby's cheeks can be on your naked uh, uh, breast. And, and then just turn on the television and, you know, make sure the baby's asleep yes. and hold the baby. Okay. And so uh, she was very peeved and she said, all right, I'll try it. And I said, and, you know, just give me a bell back anytime uh, and let me know how you get on. I said, because I, I don't know what else really to suggest. And so <laughs> a couple of hours later, <laughs> she called me back and she said, you know, I did what you said, and I was very skeptical about it, but I did what you said. And uh, she said, first of all, I couldn't watch television because the baby was just so cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And she started to cry. And she you know, the baby just kind of started moving its head up and down like a little woodpecker and latched on. And it was... It felt so good, she said, because the baby breastfed for the first time and the baby was sound asleep. Oh, my. Oh. So, I, you know, it doesn't always work like that. And rescuing breastfeeding at, at six postnatal weeks is can be quite challenging for, for some mothers. 
But do you see, I didn't tell her that she needed to lie back. I only said to her that she needed to kind of be relaxed and then quit worrying. So often we just look at the baby and we want the baby to latch. So the idea of looking at the television and then being drawn to the baby because the baby was at a a, a distance where she easily saw the baby. And so just a, a quick glance down then would draw her towards uh, the adorable ways that her baby had to communicate with her. And it all worked so well. Uh, Suzanne, one of the things that struck me so much, and I have it with me right now, when I first read your 2008 article, you gave the, a column left and right of what happened with baby in full biological nurturing position on the left side and then uh, uh, mother in a non-biological nurturing position on the right side. And the thing that really struck me was the very bottom frame where when the baby was not in a biological nurturing position, you said, and I quote, baby strikes the breast and arches his back. And after several attempts, his mother says he's not interested in feeding and she ends the feed and changes the nappy. On the left column, the mother was in a biological nurturing position, and she says, you say in the article, sustained step and Babinski uh, uh, primitive uh, neonatal reflexes, and the baby uh, to remain in situ during milk transfer. The mother says, breastfeeding is so easy. I wish more of my friends were doing it. Right. And I remember reading the sort of your bottom line to both of those. And I'm thinking, oh, this is just like a whole other headset. Uh, So important. Okay, so we need to uh, make a quick close here. I do want to mention that Dr. Colson's book, the name of it is Biological Nurturing, New Angles on Breastfeeding. I will have that on my own website at borntobebreastfed.com. That's borntobebreastfed.com. I would also like to quickly mention that it has been translated into several different languages. Uh, can you quick run those down for us? Which other languages? It's, in, it's translated into Danish and German. Dutch and French. Excellent, excellent. And also, she also has a DVD out and will give you particulars on all of those things. But in the meanwhile, I would just like to say this has gone way too fast. We've learned so much. Dr. Colson, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. It's been a real pleasure for me. Thank you very much for inviting me. All righty. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us today. If it weren't for you, we would not have a show. So if you are interested in books or other media that was mentioned on today's show, check it out in our Amazon affiliate store. And if you're a professional looking for uh, continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, visit me at my other website. That is breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, 
do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.